Hey moms, please keep in mind that I am not a mental health professional. This space is simply for creating conversations. If you are in crisis, please dial 988 for the National Crisis Hotline. If you are in danger, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency department. Now, let's talk. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Sick Moms. Uh, I, again, say it all the time, but I always am truly excited to have this guest on today. Uh, this is Sydney Osborne, and I actually met her at a women's conference that uh, threw her up on stage to talk about exactly what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I saw the fire in her eyes, and uh, she has a passion for creating a space where humans can belong uh, in in several areas of the world. And so I'm going to uh, just let her take over and tell you a little bit about herself and why we're here today. Sydney, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Carrie. I am excited to be here. Um, like you touched on, I uh, work in a couple different spaces. My day job is as a salon manager here in Boise. Um, where I get to champion um, diversity and inclusion in my salon. Um, and then my night job right now is um, my heart project, which is my nonprofit called Rick's Dream, which is what you heard me talk about at that women's conference. Yeah. Um, it is a nonprofit that is working right now to develop a virtual reality technology that will allow people to have an experience of a disability. That is so fascinating to me. Um, I've always been able to empathize with people with a disability, but not being able to understand it, uh, I don't think you really, I mean, you can never know, right? Um, right? And we're talking disabilities all over the place. We're talking, you know, being on the spectrum to, what about physical disabilities? Yeah. So my my really good friend's daughter was born without one leg, had her other foot amputated and had to have surgery on her hand because she, she has a limb difference. And, uh, Oh my gosh, she's the best little human being in the entire world. But there are going to be challenges she's going to face, right? And I have no idea what that's like. No idea. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I think um, as people that love on other people, right, whether you're a mom or a friend or an aunt, um, whatever it might be, that level of understanding um, is important because we we want them to have a normal life. We want them to experience the things. And sometimes these challenges don't allow them to do that in the way that we think they should. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I this all kind of was born um, from my child. I actually um, adopted him. He was nine months old um, and he has a traumatic brain injury. Um, and so he, he has a lot of diagnosis, but the primary one is cerebral palsy. And um, that's a physical disability where uh, he can't move. And so um, he had to have a pretty major surgery this last year and he he's in middle school. So nobody has a great time, you know, during middle school. <laughs> so um, he was pretty nervous, but we were kind of at this point where he was gonna be in a wheelchair full time or we could have this major surgery and it would, it would extend his ability to walk for a couple of years. And um, he's recently discovered this love for basketball and wheelchair and a basketball for, you know, kids of that age don't really go together. So we made the decision to have this surgery and he was very nervous to be in his casts and to talk about it with his friends. Um, and so he asked me, mom, will you come to my school and will you talk to my friends about why I have to have surgery and about why I'm going to be in casts? Um, Cause he was in casts for 16 weeks. 
it, it was brutal. <laughs> um, and when I went in to talk to his class, what I realized is that a conversations about disability aren't happening at home. Um, and B, the kids have questions and they want to love on their classmates, but they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And without a safe space for them to ask those questions, they might not ever understand, which means they'll grow up into adults that also don't understand. Right. And so um, I've gone into his school a couple more times and created that dialogue with his classmates and, you know, talk to them about cerebral palsy and about, you know, the braces and the casts and the wheelchair and all of the things. Um, and I've done my best to provide an experience. So I actually brought in like leg weights and had them wear those and try to do different activities. We brought in his wheelchair and let them roll around in it, um, you know, and try to bend over and pick things up off the floor or reach something on the shelf or, you know, things that you can't do when you're in a wheelchair. Um, and so that that's where Rick's dream was born. And then I was like, I could take this a step farther and move this into virtual reality so that it can reach kids, it can reach adults, it can reach teachers, it can reach parents, um, and, and allow them to have the experience that I created for those kids in that classroom, but also create the belonging that I saw for my child after that happened. You know, so much fighting and argument and strife in this world is, is due to misunderstanding or lack of understanding. You know, bullies are bullies because they don't understand the other point of view. Right. And being able to create that space of that understanding and and give people that gift of empathy for others. Well, I mean, I, I can imagine just reduces the amount of, of fighting and bullying that could happen to kids that age. Yeah, I would hope so. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. bullying is not OK, but kids kids often bully what they don't know, what they don't understand, the, the different person. Right, right. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So I just I just had an image, I literally just had an image of me being able to put on a VR headset and like put the sock on, put the rubber part of the leg on and then like put my leg on just like Abby has to do and like put my foot on and then get into shoes and then get myself up with my sticks they're they they're all i just can't imagine what that little girl she's so strong it's all she's ever known but right um it takes her 10 15 minutes to get ready and it takes her brother and sister 30 seconds to run out the door right right and so imagine what it could do for them yeah yeah her siblings that are impatient and want to go um and understanding what it's like and maybe just slow down a little bit for their little sister yeah yeah, you know, that that's kind of my vision for this is that you can choose what you want to experience. So there will be a plethora of different things. And, and my vision for it is to continually evolve, right? I want it to be inclusive. Um, so it'll have to start off small with just a couple of things and then continue to grow. But, you know, amputees, um, autism, things from, you know, things from all over the diagnosis list that we're familiar mm -hmm. with, uh, I, it is important to me that all of those are represented because all of the people with those diagnoses have people that want to love them. Yeah, 100%. And being it, like you said, being able to understand whether someone needs an extra few minutes or needs a little bit more understanding or needs help pulling their book off their shelf. I mean, right. um, I, uh, I, mean I, I mean, for real, like I'm in the grocery store with someone or I see somebody in the grocery store on crutches or in a wheelchair or running or rolling around on the scooter, whatever reason. 
they're not able to just walk through and I see them reaching for something and I always I always wonder is it rude to ask but it's more rude not to ask hey can I get that for you but there's still that I I have a fear of offending yeah right and that's something that um again if I understood more maybe I could just approach it with a little bit more love in my heart yeah instead of just I want to be kind I can have this true love in my heart like I couldn't reach that either and yeah. just know um I'm so like I I want this so bad like I want to experience every single thing like I will just like roll through it yeah because that is absolutely fascinating what you're going to be able to provide for people yeah you know and I think what you just said hit it on the head too people have a fear around offending and you know, in my experience, um, most people with disabilities have been um, treated as invisible and um, they also want to be independent. So sometimes if somebody goes to help them without asking or whatever, it does make them feel um, smaller is the word I would use. Right. And so if I could give you one word of encouragement, it would be to ask with that yeah. genuine love and care. Right. And if they say no, they say no. But if they say yes, then you've just helped them out. Yeah. you know but i would say the worst thing that somebody could do is pretend like they don't see them um you know we as parents we shush our kids we tell them not to stare we tell them not to ask questions right and we do that because that's what we were taught to be polite and have manners right but what we're actually doing is we're dehumanizing that person yeah. and um those people want to be seen too they are people right they just they are that that I mean they're they're so people um sorry i just had a, like a, a yeah. slap in the face like moment like when you do see somebody in a cast you say oh what'd you do to your leg right you see someone without a leg you're not like hey what'd you do to your leg right well a kid might be right yeah and i've been guilty of that you know there was a, a man with a hook for a hand years yeah. and years ago my kids were little and they said mommy what's that for and i said uh, I don't know. And I directed their attention elsewhere instead of saying, you know, that could be from a lot of reasons. Um, I could have asked, one of them could have asked, or we could have just discussed possible ways that somebody may lose their hand and need a hook. Right. You know, the, the pincher hook where they can grab things, you know, explain why it exists. Right. And I look back and I'm like, oh, I could have, that's mom life. That's just being a mom. I could have handled that differently. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm going to have grandkids and I'm going to be able to make it up and a little bit of next, better next time yeah well and when we know better we do better right so don't be hard on yourself that's that's what we were taught right yeah 100 percent. and it's just when you do have this world opened up you need to just you just need to grab it and you need to like you said do better yeah you know yeah. if it's in a, your blind spot you literally just don't know what you don't know there's nothing you can do about it but when you open up yourself to learning that's when changes happen man right right yes <laughs> yeah it's incredible i uh i had the honor of running a ribbon cutting here in twin falls uh idaho for the very first public school ada uh, very first public school ada playground and it was because one little boy had two was very friendly with two kids in wheelchairs one of them was cerebral palsy i believe the other one i'm not sure why they were wheelchair bound so i'm not 100 sure but um because i didn't ask it's okay <laughs> you know i was just excited that it was happening but i didn't ask why yeah. but this little boy was just like why 
why do my friends have to stay in the in inside for recess yeah and so this little boy like seriously like fourth grade champions to raise enough money himself with the support of the community to to build an ada accessible playground and the community came together for this ribbon cutting in the evening and there were hundreds of people there and hundreds of people got exposure to the need for these two children to need recess yeah it was i bawled it was beautiful yeah you know and the kids were like come on come play come play and they were helping them on spots that were a little bit tougher with the wheelchairs and yeah it was it's just beautiful. beautiful yeah well and when we create that environment too you saw it happen right like you saw what i saw in that classroom that space was now created for those kids to be kids like we you leveled they leveled the playing field right and so there's so many ways that we can do that and that is such a beautiful example and my next question would be why was that never a thought before so that, yeah I, I don't, I think it's one of those things that have been in a blind spot. Like why wasn't there funding from the school to allow every child to have access? Right. Um, and I understand school funding and blah, 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 but like, I don't care. Like there's, you take care of every child. Yeah. Um, well, that's what a fourth grader was able to do, right? Imagine yeah. an adult with all of their resources and network, right? Yeah. It was, it was incredible to see. And, um, I, it took me back to when I was in when I was in middle school. I was an odd kid. Um, I was a very odd kid. I didn't have friends at recess. Um, I spent all my recess in the special ed classroom mm -hmm. with children with disabilities doing sensory games. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like they literally could not go out. Most of them, some of them could go out with a para, but most of those children could not go outside on the playground because it was gravel. Wheelchairs don't do well in gravel. No, they don't. It was grass. Doesn't do well in grass. Yeah. You know, the playground is not made for them. But I did spend, um, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I was the weird kid because I got to experience that. Yeah. It's yeah. just, what you're doing is so cool. Like, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm fangirling over you right now. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, it's just nice to know that other people can see my vision, too. Um, I've had this on my heart for a long time. I, I honestly actually had um, the paperwork for my nonprofit filled out for almost two years. Um, Rick and I had had this grand plan um, to do this together, and he actually passed away um kind of in the middle of planning and so i just i didn't have the courage to do it on my own um until i had that experience in the classroom when i was like okay what am i waiting for you know and and um so i decided to name it after rick and, and do this in his honor um, because i can do it on my own but um i just have to tell you how much it means to me that you believe in it too uh, because for a while i didn't believe in myself so you know it's phenomenal and i know i'm not the only one that feels this way well thank you so um so you you were telling me that you you're you're still in the beginning you're still in the the stage of of getting it off the ground yes right so what can your community what yeah. can we do to make that happen faster 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I would say, um, you know, donations is going to be the biggest thing because tech is expensive um, and people don't work for free, unfortunately, <laughs> which would be very nice. Well, if any of you would be willing to work for free, you let us know. Yeah, please let us know. Um, so I think, you know, funding is going to be the biggest thing. But then also, if you have experience like I do or you um, know somebody with a disability, please um, connect me to them. Because one of the most important things as I build this software is that it's accurate. And so um, I've actually, you asked me what I've been doing since the women's conference and I said I've been busy. I've been interviewing everybody that I can find that will answer my questions about what they feel like is important um, or what they wish people would know about their experience. So I've been spending a lot of time with my network of people that have different um, you know, diagnoses and disabilities. Um, but there's a whole world like I don't know anybody who's an amputee, right? And But I want to include that and I want to make sure that that perspective and that experience is correct. So um, one thing I am doing is is working with people who, who live this every day and making sure that their voices are heard as we create this too. That's incredible. So um, in the description, we're going to make sure that your information to be contacted is in there and then your organization is in there so people can make donations. Yeah. Um, this is really an incredible thing for the disability community but it's even cooler for for me yeah like it's incredible i kind of wish my my little abby girl was a little older to talk to you a little bit more about her experience but um i do know some other amputees so i will absolutely approach them about speaking with you i don't see anyone saying no yeah so again, if if some people may not be comfortable asking a friend, but I I encourage you to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, they can say no. Yeah. And no is no okay answer. Yes, and it is. But I would appreciate the ask anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So. Wow, your heart and your passion, and like you said, your fire for creating a space for humans to belong. I do want to touch on the other part real quick because it really did. Um, it really did move me as well. Yeah. Um, you say that you create a place, uh, a, a sense of belonging for humans, even in your shop, in your salon. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, there's a couple ways. Um, one of the biggest conversations that's happening in beauty right now is our lack of um, inclusion for texture. Um, predominantly black and brown women um, are turned away from salons because we are not educated on how to care for their hair correctly. Um, and that, that stems all the way from beauty school. It's not included in the curriculum currently, um, unless you live in a demographic where it is, right? So um, I actually am a part of the advisory board for some of the local um, beauty schools. And so that's a conversation that's happening there is how do we include this curriculum in our, in our schools so that people come out of school with at least a base level. Um, but then in my salon, too, um, I've championed texture education for the last couple of years um, to make sure that whoever comes into our space, we can care for them the way that they need to be cared for, no matter their skin color, hair texture, type, gender, any of those things. If they are a human, they belong with us and we can take care of them. So basically what you're saying is you're all around just a phenomenal human being. <laughs> I mean, you're nice <laughs> <man>, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's really incredible. Um, so on that, with, with your salon, uh, I'm going to imagine that you've made sure it's inclusive for people with physical disabilities as well. Absolutely. Yes. 
Um, I do know a few hairstylists in my area that work with children with autism. Because um, I know that can be very scary for children with autism to get their hairs cut, even adults. But I've seen the children. Oh, yeah. um, I, I have a friend whose son has autism, and it's the it, the sound. It just gets him. Yeah. So they do everything they can to distract him and just get his hair to look. You know, instead of just shaving it real fast. Yeah. Give him a cut. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't work behind the chair with clients anymore. But when I did, um, I did have a large a large uh, clientele of, of people with disabilities or children. Um, and my salon ownership is wonderful. And they allowed me to be flexible. I could come in, um, you know, on a day off with all the lights off, we would cut hair with no music, no lights, nobody else in the salon um, to create that environment for them. And we just kind of do whatever we need to do to make it work. And I, I love that because I work for phenomenal humans too, um, who also care. Yeah. Um, and now I get to share that experience with my team and I get to teach them how to care for these people too, you know, because a lot of them don't have firsthand experience like I do. They don't live with it every day, you know? Right. You know, there, there are a lot of things we can do. You know, um, I actually have a sensory box that's in my office that has like little fidgets and things in it. If, if they need it, they can come grab it. I've got an iPad, um, you know, that has all sorts of educational things on it to help, you know, distract them. And, um, there's just lots of things that we can do. And it just takes that, that extra level of care, you know, and um, I'm really proud to say that I have a team full of humans who care. That's, that's really great. I, I have an incredible hair lady, but I kind of just want to come and stand in your salon. You should, you should come visit. <laughs> just watch the video of it. So, all right. So again, you said your passion and fire is creating a space where humans can belong. Yeah. We're going to end there. I love it. All right, everybody. Uh, again, thank you to Sydney for being here. We are going to have in the description where you can get a hold of her, where you can make donations, where you can make a difference. And remember, you can make a difference locally. And if you have questions, how I'm sure Sydney would be able to light a little bit of fire under your ass to get those differences started. So, uh, Sydney, thank you. I would like you to stay on for a moment after we say goodbye to our friends. Friends, goodbye, and I will see all of you moms on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you. Hey moms, just to remember that I am not a mental health professional. This space is just for creating conversations. If you are in crisis, please call the National Crisis Hotline at 988. If you are in danger, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency department. Talk to you soon.